The last time we were in Mark's Gospel, we left Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joses, Joseph of Arimathea, and he's not mentioned in Mark, but Nicodemus. We left them standing at the grave of Jesus Christ and giving him a funeral. He was buried, a royal funeral, with so few people. And now we're coming to the most positive part of the gospel, the glorious resurrection morning. So we need to get our times right here. Jesus was crucified on the Friday, Good Friday. The Saturday was going to be the Sabbath, and it was a very special Sabbath. It was the Passover Uh, celebrations so as soon as they had buried Jesus on Friday night they didn't have enough time to anoint his body right they couldn't do that on the Sabbath on the Saturday so as soon as the Sabbath was over and the Sabbath finished sundown on Saturday nights so on Saturday nights when it was dark these women went out and bought some spices so that they could anoint the body of Jesus Christ. And in another gospel, we're told that Mary Magdalene went to the tomb while it was still dark, so she might well have gone on the Saturday nights. But in this chapter, we're told that on this Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, Uh, before the sun came up, they went to the grave in order to anoint the body. So my first point is this. Saturdays, children. Saturdays, children. This was gloomy, depressing, hopeless. These women weren't going to the tomb to worship Jesus Christ. They were going to bury him, weren't they, really? He'd already been buried, but they were going to finish that process. There's something very poignant about the scene here. Saturday's children. There's a saying, sorrow wakes early. If you're anxious or if you're uh, depressed, uh, you don't sleep, do you? Uh, You may uh, uh, not sleep at all and then you hear the dawn chorus. There's nothing worse, is there? Hearing the dawn chorus at about four or five o'clock in the morning after not sleeping at all. Sorrow wakes early. We can imagine how these poor women felt. They had put their hopes in Jesus of Nazareth, they really believed that he was the Messiah, the one that God had promised and the one who had come to save them. And now what had happened? He was dead. They had witnessed his burial. It was hopeless. Have you seen that um, picture? It's uh, quite well known. It's called the hopeless dawn. It's one of the most depressing pictures one can ever see. There's just no hope whatsoever. And 
I think this is how these women were on this Saturday night and early on that Sunday morning. Saturday's children. I've borrowed that phrase, Saturday's children, from Kent Hughes. He's not related, right? But this is how he put it. These women are not just Saturday's children. There are more people living today in the despair and darkness of a dark Saturday than have ever lived in the drama of Good Friday or the victory of Easter Sunday. Without the resurrection, we are all Saturday's children. Do do you know what Paul said writing to the Corinthians? He said, if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain? That means empty, there's no points. And your faith is also in vain, and you are yet in your sins. My friends, if there is no resurrection, there's no point in us meeting together here like this. It is absolutely empty what we are singing about, what we are uh, praying about, what I'm preaching about. If all that there is is that Saturday evening, as it were, if all we can be is Saturday's children, then we might as well pack up and go home. When you're born into this world, you are Saturday's child. Are you a Saturday child here this morning? These women were heading in one direction, weren't they? Towards the grave. Do you know, as soon as you're born, the clock begins to tick. As soon as we come out of the womb, we're heading in one direction towards the grave. That's pretty depressing, to say the least, isn't it? Now, I'm not trying to be morbid here. I know us Welsh people have this tendency, but it's being real, isn't it? To simply state the fact that death is the one thing we're all certain of. We can't be certain of anything else. We know, as uh, the writer to the Hebrew says, man is appointed once to die. There's no getting out of that appointment. We we may try and uh, kid ourselves, and we may try and fill our lives with all sorts of pleasures, but at the end of the day, we can't avoid that one appointment. And the scary thing is this, you don't know when your appointment is going to come. I don't know how many of you have had your two vaccinations, I've already had one, and I'm waiting now uh, for the letter to come through the door to tell me that I've got my second appointment. I don't know when that letter will come, it could be there tomorrow, it could be there in a week's time, that's not up to me is it? It's up to the powers that be. And it's like that with the appointment of death. We don't know when it will come, the notice. We don't know. This is what uh, uh, one uh, cynic wrote. All the world is a hospital and every person in it is a terminal 
patience. Do you see that? This spiritual disease of sin is terminal. We may live for many more years. We may only live for a few more months. But we're all Saturday's children when we're born into this world. And we're all headed in the same direction. And then what you read about these women, something else frightened them. They were depressed before. And they're questioning among themselves, verse 3, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? They'd seen that huge boulder being put there to seal the tomb. So they weren't going to be able to do it. They needed help. But when they arrived there, they found that the stone had been removed. And then once they went into the grave, they saw, what did they see? They saw something that scared them. Uh, The word in the original uh, is alarmed. Uh, In the New King James, it uses that word, I think. Do not be alarmed, verse 6. Entering the tomb, verse 5, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. According to the experts, this is the only place in the New Testament where the Greek word uh, for alarmed here is used, and it actually means they were terrified. What had caused them to be so terrified? It wasn't so much that the stone had been rolled away. It was the fact that they saw this person, this young man. It wasn't Jesus of Nazareth that they saw. It was an angel. Have you ever seen an angel? I've never seen an angel. But they saw a man in dazzling white robes, this pure being. It made them aware that they were impure, that they had a sight of something heavenly, and it scared them. It scared them. My friends, we should be scared because it is appointed unto men once to die and after that, what do we meet? Not an angel. What do we meet? Who do we meet? God. The judgments. To stand before our creator. Even this young man, this angel here, whose purity dazzled these women and caused them to be terrified. Even that angel had to cover his eyes from seeing the purity of God. Saturday's children. There is an hour when I, you, must stand before the judgment seats. And there is no hiding then. All my sins and all my foes in awesome vision meets. There is an hour when I must look on one eternity. And there's only two destinations then. And nameless woe that's hell. Or blissful life, that's heaven. My endless portion be. I don't know what lockdown has been like for you, but even if it's been difficult, one consoling thought is that it's not going to last. Even though it seems as if it's going on forever, it's going to come to an end one day. But eternity doesn't end. Hell is forever. And heaven is forever. 
Now that's important, isn't it? To know where we're going. If we remain Saturday's children, we're going to die and face God as judge. And there's no hope. There's no hope. Now then, the reason why we are here this morning is we don't have to stay Saturday's children. We can become Sunday's children. Isn't that good news? Look at these women. They are transformed by one thing. And it's that one thing that can give us hope and make us Saturday children into Sunday's children. What is it? Do you enjoy reading biographies? As a way of relaxing my mind, I like picking up a big biography. I, I, I really find it um, thrilling. But you know what? Every biography ends with the death of the person, to state a fact. It doesn't matter how great the person may be, in the end, they die. What comes after that in the biography is analysis of the effect of that person uh, and uh, the successes that might have followed them. But to all intents and purposes, the biography ends in the same place. Whichever biography you pick, that's how they're going to finish. Apart from this, this is completely different, isn't it? If this was a normal biography of Jesus' life, and in one sense it is, and if Jesus was just a normal human being, this biography that Mark wrote would have finished in chapter 15. But we've got another chapter. It's not over. Actually, it's just beginning. Uh, Tozer put it like this. The account of the life of Jesus Christ is the only biography known to man that does not end with death and burial. The only record of a human life that joyfully hastens on to the next chapter after the last. The next chapter after the last. Saturday's children is not the end. We do not have to remain there. We do not have to go on in that direction. We can become Sunday's children like these women became. There's good news. This is what the gospel means. God's spell. Good news. This is what our, um, I was going to say Saturday, but our Sunday morning services are about. Good news. What's the good news? Ah, you would say, I'd become full of hope, a Sunday child, if I could see Jesus risen in front of me. These women didn't see him, not at this point. All these women had was the word of God. So listen to the angel. He said to them, verse 6, do not be alarmed. Saturday's children, you can become Sunday's child. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. The word he is risen is one word in the original. 
He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. And then they say, uh, the angel says this, as he said to you, as he said to you. In the account in Luke, we're told, uh, remember how he spoke to you. All they had was the words of Jesus Christ. I, I find it very significant that this angel here doesn't try to give proofs of the resurrection, does he? He doesn't try to show to these women uh, how uh, miraculous it is uh, for the stone to be rolled away, uh, for a dead person to come to life. They're, they're, they're not... Um, trying to uh, be persuaded about the resurrection. All you have is this young man declaring, just as Jesus said, it's happened. And that's what we've got. The words of Jesus. I don't know if you remembered when we were going through Mark's gospel, right in the middle of Mark, when the disciples were with Jesus in Galilee, Peter confessed Jesus as the Christ. And from that moment on, Jesus began to teach them about his death and resurrection. So remember how he spake to you, Luke says, when he was in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hand of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. Here is this young man saying, you seek Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth, this unique person, Oh, my friends, there's a sequence here. Jesus of Nazareth, the man that was born 2,000 years ago, the man that was sent by God on a mission. Uh, think of somebody being sent on a mission to accomplish something. Uh, the mission that Jesus had was mission impossible, wasn't it? And not even a Tom Cruise could have done what Jesus was asked uh, to do, to save Saturday's children from the grave, to save us from our sin, to save us to heaven. That was the mission that Jesus was given. But he is able to do it because the man that was born 2,000 years ago is also God. Jesus of Nazareth. And what did he come to do? He came to die who was crucified. He had to die. There was no other way for our sin to be punished. We couldn't pay the debts. The perfect Son of God had to do it. That's why the Good Friday is the very crux of Christianity. And when he finished paying for our sins, he cried out, It is finished. And then, because he dealt with sin, death had been broken, and the grave could not hold him. You see, not even the stone could keep Jesus Christ, the big boulder outside the grave. The stone wasn't moved in order for Jesus Christ to come out. <laughs> the stone was moved in order for us to see that the tomb is empty. And he now is not amongst the dead. He's not amongst the dead. 
Uh, when we were in India, there was a book I saw in Connaught Place, in uh, the big shopping uh, part in Delhi, and it tried to prove that Jesus was buried. And, you know, like any other human being, that there were bones to be had. That's not true. Jesus is not in the realm of the dead. He's now amongst the living. There's a man in heaven now. And you know what he's doing? He's continuing his mission. And by his spirit, as his word is going out, he's calling people to himself. He's turning Saturday's children into Sunday's children. He's causing them to be born of the Spirit so that they believe his word. We have not seen Jesus in his resurrection body any more than the women saw him when they went to the empty tomb. But we have heard, as they had, the gospel word which should be enough for us. Remember what Jesus said. He had to be crucified to atone for our sins and raised to give us eternal life. If we believe this, God will forgive our sins, raise our bodies from the grave, and give us everlasting joy. That's what Phil Riken says in his commentary. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. The greatest verse in the Bible, John 3.16, sums up the mission. Mission impossible? Yes, but not for Jesus. For him, mission accomplished. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Saturday's child can become Sunday's child. Didn't we sing, one day, one day the grave could conceal him no longer. One day the stone rolled away from the door. He had arisen, or death he had conquered. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. One day he's coming. Oh, glorious day. It's not uh, just uh, believing in your head uh, that the record is true. It's believe in your hearts that Christ is Lord and Savior. Trust him. Trust him. Surrender yourself to him. And then look finally, very quickly, at the new direction now of these women. They were Saturday's children, just as we were. But they have become Sunday's children, just as we can become Sunday's children. And look at the change of direction. I find this quite uh, graphic. Uh, what do we read in verse 7? Uh, we read... The young man, the angel, tells them, Go, tell the disciples that he is going before you into Galilee. There will you see him. What was their response? They're going in a new direction now. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed. 
They were still afraid. But now there was, I think, a trembling joy. It wasn't a craven fear. It was a childlike fear. And they were people who were transformed. They were no longer depressed, uncertain, given up hope. They now had a hope that went beyond death. They now had a message. You didn't have to tell these women how to evangelize. They were a living witness to what they had come to believe in. That's what a Christian is. Uh, uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a very able person, he put it like this, a Christian isn't an advocate. An advocate is somebody in court who is able to defend a case. And he can put all sorts of clever arguments in order to make a defense. Now, there's a place to argue for the resurrection, the proofs for the resurrection. There's nothing wrong with that. But most of us don't have the minds for that. Thank God. It's not advocates a Christian is. It's a witness. We have witnessed, haven't we, for ourselves that Jesus Christ is able to save. Haven't you witnessed that? I came to Jesus as I was. And I put my trust in him. And he forgave me. He forgave me. And look at their new direction. This to me is just something quite amazing. That Sunday morning, Saturday night maybe, where were they heading? Towards the tomb. Towards the tomb. After being given this good news about what Jesus has done, where are they heading now? Away from the tomb. Away from the tomb. Where are they heading to? They're heading north. They're going up. I know I'm taking this too far here. (laughs) But upwards is the trajectory of Sunday's child, the Christian. Where are they going? They're going to Galilee. Who are they going to meet there? They're going to meet Jesus in person. What is he going to do to them? He's going to give them the Great Commission. What else is going to happen? He's going to ascend into heaven. But all we need to know at this point this morning is this. A Christian is going in a different direction to other people. Everybody else in this world, Saturday's children, they're heading in one direction. Death, the judgment. The Christian is not heading in that direction, but you will say, but hang on, Pastor, won't you have to die one day? Won't uh, even the Christians here have to die unless Jesus returns? Yes, we will have to die. But even though our body is following the same trajectory as everybody else's body, we're getting old. Uh, Seeing one another after lockdown, maybe we realize that we're older now than when we last saw each other. Maybe there's a few more grey hairs. Maybe there's a few more wrinkles. Maybe there's a few more uh, grave marks, those uh, little spots. We're getting older. Our bodies are getting weaker. We're getting iller. And one day we'll have the final illness that will cause us to die. But you know what? The direction is upwards, onwards and upwards. Because death is a promotion. Death is the entrance into heaven. Home at last, home at last. And we will see him there. We will see him face to face. 
Don't you want to be a real Christian? Sunday's child. Don't you want that? Don't you? Why do you want to be going in this direction even if you're trying to fill your life with all sorts of things to distract you? In the end, my friend, you are going to die. And even all the things that you think make life, life, do they really satisfy? Turn to the living Savior and surrender your salvation and your very soul to him. And know what it is to follow Jesus. You see, a Christian is a person who changes direction and then they're going in a new direction following the Saviour. They may fall. It's interesting, isn't it? Oh, I'm so encouraged at this, that the angel uh, makes a mention of Peter, but go tell his disciples. And Peter, why is Peter mentioned there? Not because he's the leader of these motley bunch, but because Peter has failed. Peter has fallen. Peter must feel himself an utter failure. Peter must have felt like giving up after denying his Lord. And the Saviour, he's so gracious. He gives this angel the message to say to these women, to say to the disciples, and Peter... Oh, is there a Sunday child here this morning, a genuine Christian, who Peter-like may have failed their Lord and Saviour? Listen, he can raise you up and he can cause you not just to go in the new direction, but to go with leaps and bounds. It was these motley bunch of people who, after Pentecost... Well, what's happened? Oh, they preached this message, didn't they? As we'll be seeing next Sunday. And 3,000 were saved. Even the people who shouted at Jesus, away with him, crucify him. They were saved. And then the message couldn't be contained in Jerusalem. It went, where did it go to? It went to Samaria. Samaria was the hardest place of all. But they couldn't help themselves. It was such good news. It went to Samaria, and it didn't stay in Israel. It went into Asia Minor, Turkey, and then it couldn't stay uh, in Asia, as it were. It went into Europe. Oh, that's Christianity. Well, let me close. We must go into communion. Where are you this morning? Are you still Saturday's child? Or have you, by grace, become Sunday's child? And do you realize that you're going in a new direction? I always remember what one preacher said. Uh, he was saying uh, to us Christians, when you have your birthday, don't celebrate it as unbelievers do. Have an onwards and upwards birthday party. That's good, isn't it? Have an onwards and upwards birthday party. If you're not a Christian, each birthday means you're getting nearer to death and judgments. If you're a Christian, each birthday is taking you nearer to your entrance and promotion and homecoming. Billy Graham, that um, mighty preacher of the gospel, he died a couple of years ago, and he said, uh, I don't know when he said it, 
but obviously before he died, because it came true, uh, he was echoing D.L. Moody. I read in an obituary, something you will read or hear someday that Billy Graham is dead. Don't you believe a word of it. I shall be more alive then than I ever was. I will just have changed my address. I will have gone into the presence of God. Oh, what a joy to know one day we'll change our address. We'll change our body and we'll have a new body, a new soul and we'll be in a place where there is no more sin, no more tears, no more partings, no more lockdowns for his namesake. Now let's um, sing before we come to the Lord's table. I can't remember what the hymn is. Thine be the glory, risen, conquering son. Endless is the victory thou or death hast won. So we'll stand and sing in our hearts.
Out of the fear and dread of the tomb, Jesus, I come, Jesus, I come, into the joy and light of thy home. Jesus, I come to thee, out of my shameful failure and loss. Jesus, I come, into the glorious gain of thy cross. Jesus, I come to thee, out of earth's sorrows, into thy balm, out of life's storms, into thy calm, out of distress to jubilant psalm. Jesus, I come to thee. We thank thee, Father, that by grace we, Saturday children, can become Sunday's children. And we thank thee that Jesus indeed is the one to have all the glory as he is our risen, conquering hero. Oh, Lord, we just pray now as we remind ourselves of what it cost thee to make us sinners whole, that thy spirit will take Uh, the things of Christ, even the most precious thing of all, his sacrifice on that cross, and just make it real to us, we pray in his name. Amen.